Welcome to the Men of Magic, an interview podcast that gets into the lives of your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities with your hosts, Robert Martin and Chris Atwood. And now, the Men of Magic begins. Welcome to another episode of Men of Magic. I'm Robert Martin. I'm here today with an innovator, and it's not Patrick Chapman. I'd like to call him, as far as podcasting goes, uh, him and his partner, Big Head Joe, I'd like to call them revolutionaries because they were the first to take their product and make it viable on another site outside of MTGcast. They are on Star City Games. He is quite possibly, along with Gavin Verhey, the two most popular hosts of SCG Live. He is a working man in a wonderful relationship, has gotten to see the world through Magic the Gathering. I'm talking about Joey Pasco. Hey, everybody. That's, uh, that's quite an intro. Well, let's start with the beginning. Okay. I may have heard this story before, but many people have it. How and why did your MTG chap start? Basically, I guess sometime around... Uh, the summer of 2009, Joe, actually, actually, it probably could go back a little further than that. For Worlds 2007, it was held in New York, and Big Head Joe and I and our, our friend Tim decided we were going to drive up there and just, you know, go to Worlds. It, it's Worlds, you know, and um, we ended up getting a hostel, like a hotel room, not really hotel, it was a hostel, and it was pretty cheap because uh, pretty much everything else there is so expensive in New York, um, but it was a four-person room, and it was just three of us, so I, uh, being a listener of Monday Night Magic, just put the, um, I actually messaged Gavin and said, hey, Gavin, um, I know you're into the pro scene, do you want to come and room with us at Worlds? You know, I'm some dude you don't know, so I understand, you know, this is maybe kind of weird, but I figured I'd, I'd put the, uh, you know, put the offer out there. And he said he couldn't make it, being from Seattle, it was too, I think, plus he was, uh, this was in 2007, so, you know, he, he, I don't even know how old he was then, maybe 17 or something, so maybe that was a little bit strange for, uh, for him because of his age. I, you know, I don't know if that's, that's the case or not, but I know he, he wasn't able to come. But he said he would let Tom know, because uh, I told him, you know, pass the offer along to Tom, if you'd like, or whoever. And um, so Tom ended up coming with us. Joe did not know what a podcast was at the time, neither did Tim. I have been listening to podcasts since, like, 2005, when, uh, I guess around the time when they first started. And I, it was mostly uh, comic book podcasts I was listening to at first, but it was also magic. And there was an old one called um, The Mana Vault, I think was the one I, I first started listening to. And, of course, uh, Top 8 Magic with uh, Mike Flores and BDM. So uh, I had been listening to podcasts for a while, and that was when Big Head Joe first found out about podcasts. And I guess over the course of the next few years, I think we had kind of, this, the topic had come up, and uh, eventually we decided, Let, let's do it. You know, it's like September 2009. It was like, fine, let's just record it. And I think, you know, the name thing was just some kind of joke. And, and at the time, we were just kind of like, yeah, let's call it, uh, you know, I don't know which one of us said it. One of us said something like, let's call it Yo MTG Raps. And I think I think that was me. And Joe, Joe said, Yo MTG Taps. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's, not, you know, way, way better. And it was still sort of like a gag. But we decided, let's just, you know, let's just go with it. We didn't expect it to be anything other than us kind of goofing off and occasionally some people listening to us. So it it didn't start off with the uh, the intention of becoming what it what it's become. Well, what happened? I mean, you be, you guys became 
I, in many ways, um, uh, how to best describe this? You were different than all the other podcasts. You were unique. It was, I mean, it was well done. There was significant quality of it. You guys were having a lot of fun with it, and it seemed to be something that people latched themselves onto quickly. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what it was that really uh, took off. You know, from our perspective, at least from my perspective, I was recording the kind of podcast that I wanted to listen to. And um, you know, after having listened to tons of podcasts at that point, uh, you know, 2009, there were already a good number of podcasts out there. There were, you know, obviously Monday Night Magic was the the flagship, Top Eight Magic, as uh, as I had mentioned. There was like Deck Builder Radio. Uh, was another one that I listened to at the time. Um, there was the Magic Sock. So, you know, there were there were a number of podcasts out there, some that I liked better than others. And so I think we just decided to record the kind of thing that we wanted to listen to. And then I think one of the other things was we Twitter was starting to kind of get a little bit of momentum at that point. And I had already met uh, Kelly Reed through Twitter, and I was following – Mike Flores on Twitter and uh, John Medina. These were all people. Everybody was kind of like, you know, uh, just kind of exploring Twitter at the at the beginning as far as uh, magic was concerned on Twitter, like magic's presence on Twitter. So I know for our episode two, I think we talked a little bit about Kelly Reed and we talked about a deck that Mike Flores had posted on his blog. So we uh, so when when we put it up online, when it went up on MTG Cast, I tweeted it. And said, you know, here's episode two of our podcast. And I referenced, I said, uh, topics, Kelly Reed, Five with Flores. And so basically Mike listened, which was a huge shock for us. You know, our, like episode two, we've got Mike Flores listening to our podcast. And we were super shocked at that. And um, I think Twitter, using Twitter as a way to uh, to kind of network and publicize the podcast is really what um, what made it kind of take off. Well, I want to talk about that, too, because you guys have had some fabulous uh, interviews in-house. You've One of the most memorable interviews that I will bring up is the one uh, in the car with Patrick Chapin. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That, that was just one of those moments in time where you guys are just having fun, talking, and it's in such an unusual environment. It worked. Yeah, and that that was fun. How has people like Mike Flores and Patrick Chapin, who's been on the show multiple times, and people like that have helped your podcast grow and help you as one who kind of leads the show? Um, I think, I mean, they've been an absolute huge help. I think they, you know, aside from Twitter being a huge part of what, made the show take off. It was the people that we had, the people that we talked to. Um, we didn't actually end up having Mike on the show for a while, but he was always talking about our show. Um, I, you know, he mentioned us on Top 8 Magic, and he was mentioning us in his blog, and he was tweeting at us and things, so th- I think that helped. Um, and then Patrick, of course, like I met him on the Magic Cruise. I met Evan on the Magic Cruise as well back in, uh, you know, last year, 2010. Um, and you know, I just I interviewed them. I also interviewed Ken Nagel on that cruise. But uh, those interviews, I think, I think were were popular because hey, suddenly now we've got 
kind of famous community figures as guests on the show. And, um, and then when I ran into Patrick, the second time I, I ran into Patrick in person was, and which would end up being the second time he was on the show was, uh, at Grand Prix DC, which led to that interview in the car that you mentioned, because I, I saw Patrick and he said, Hey, and I was like, Oh, cool. So he remembers me. That was, that was my thought. I was like excited that Patrick remembered who I was besides just some kid who interviewed him on the magic cruise. And, um, so I talked to him and said, Hey, do you, you know, you want to do an interview here? And he's like, yeah, um, catch up with me later on. And for whatever reason, every time I went to catch up with him, he was either busy or, or, you know, he was play testing. So I'd come back and he ended up saying, Hey, you know, uh, I need to get to the airport. You know, are you heading out anytime soon? And I was like, yeah, I'm actually about to leave. And he said, uh, you know, do you think you can take me to the airport? And I was like, absolutely. So that is how that uh, came about. Joe ended up staying at the event um, for a little while longer, but I wanted to get home. And actually, Patrick was trying to get to the airport, both for the same reason, because we were trying to get home in time to watch Lost, which was the, the series finale. And so uh, it was, you know, I, that's why I was I was leaving at the time I was. So, you know, it worked out great. And, and that was such a, a crazy situation. But um, people like Mike and Patrick and Evan, Evan being able to, uh, you know, kind of give us the opportunity, not not kind of give us the opportunity, but absolutely give us the opportunity that, that he gave us. Um, those guys are just huge. Uh, those three, mainly, have been huge for, for us. Well, speaking of Evan, mm-hmm. and he has, like I said, he's one of those people, when I did my interview with him, that he basically has a gut instinct on you and he likes you. It seems to work out really well. It, you went from being on just MTG Cast to now being the podcast on Star City Games. And that also led into... The next opportunity, which you and Big Head Joe did everything you could to keep it well hidden, <laughs> SCG Live. Now, let's. How did this all come together? And you know, I mean, obviously, we'll go into more details about it after we get there. But how did this start with them saying they were interested in you to do this? Uh, basically, at some point in, uh, I, I believe it was late October. I just got an email from Evan saying, "We uh, this is what we're looking to do. We're looking to create this brand um, called SCG Live, which is basically we're going to have Rashad and Gigi's live, uh, you know, to basically working from a base of what Rashad had created with Gigi's live and then create a brand for just the Star City Open events. And, you know, they wanted to have a stable of commentators. And they said, you know, would you be interested? And, you know, that that's like the... The most obvious, you know, uh, absolutely I was interested, and I knew Joe would be interested too. I mean, that was another huge moment for us where we were so excited, and every every event I'm really excited to do still. Um, I mean, I've only done three so far, but it's still very exciting at this point. You know, going into this weekend is, um, is the Star City Open Series in Boston, and I'll be doing commentary with Adrian Sullivan, and um, I'm, I'm super excited for it, and... Basically, that's how it started. You know, he just asked if we were interested. We said, absolutely, let us know what you need us to do. And uh, that's basically where it went. Well, you have been, you've been declared very popular on there. Uh, Your style of telling a story during the match, being able to pull out information has been well received by the people that matter in the 
listening community. I, I will not count the trolls in the feed that don't count and <laughs> pardon my bitterness towards them. Uh, but the people that matter, uh, from Evan's comments to when I, when I was interviewing Lauren Lee, her comments about how well you've done, the people that matter have said that you've been really good at this and this seems almost like natural to you. Do you think that doing the podcast has helped you transition into this SCG Live position? Absolutely. Um, I think if you, uh, even the first time, like when we were recording the first episode of the podcast, I was, I was pretty nervous. So I think that uh, doing the podcast made me feel a little bit more comfortable with speaking to an audience. Um, and so for doing SCG Live, that's kind of, you know, the next step. Now I'm doing it for an audience, you know, on camera and kind of live. I mean, not kind of live, but absolutely live. So I can't make some stupid comment and then go, oh, wow, that was that was wrong and just edit it out later because I've definitely done that plenty of times for the podcast where uh, I've, I've made a comment that's been maybe incorrect and, and I have the power of editing for that. But being able to do the podcast uh, and, and get used to that, get comfortable to the, uh, doing that, has definitely helped SCG Live or help, helped with my uh, ability to, to do SCG Live. And, and I hope I'm doing well. Uh, you know, like you said, the people that matter seem to be having uh, positive feedback. So I, you know, I, I definitely appreciate hearing that. And I still, I, I think I have a, a weakness to the trolls because I still can't help but take some of those comments to heart. Like, no matter how much I'm going to, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, this... This person is just, you know, is just a troll. Um, it still somehow affects me, and and I try to to ignore the uh, the the non-constructive criticism, but sometimes it's tough. You you are now teamed up, like you said, this weekend with Adrian Sullivan. There's someone who has really adapted from his first time on till now. Uh, he almost seems a lot more comfortable, like. He, He's in a better position right now, and the great thing about working with him is you're in a position this weekend of just kind of leading him because he has such a vast knowledge of the history of magic that mm -hmm. you can kind of you can do what you do best and lead him with questions and let him do what he does best, and that's tell the good stories along with you know having that instant net database of stuff. It's like kind of was last. Uh, two weeks ago at uh, Grand Prix Dallas Fort Worth when uh, Brian Kowal was on. Mm -hmm. It's like to have someone like that that's like an encyclopedia of magic. That has got right. to be that has got to be like a great setup for you. How do you do? You email Adrian? Do you guys talk ahead of time? How does uh, that work? It, it's it's interesting because I've had very little interaction with Adrian. This will be kind of a challenge this weekend because. Uh, my first event was with Gavin, who I had only met uh, previously once, and it was at GPDC, and it was a quick like, hey, you know, hey, Gavin, I'm, I'm Joey, and he, hey, nice to meet you. And then that, I think that was our, the, the extent of our interaction in person, and uh, we had talked a little bit online, but I felt comfortable knowing who he was because I knew him from being on Monday Night Magic and, uh, and interacting with him through forums uh, actually – on MTG Salvation was our previous interaction, um, and that was years ago because I haven't really posted much on MTG Salvation in a, in a while. But uh, at least with Gavin, there was a little bit of 
of familiarity there. Um, and of course, then my next two events were with Joe. So, uh, that obviously we're, we've, we're familiar with each other. So this will be the first one where the, my co-host is somebody who I've interacted with very little. And my, uh, my knowledge of Adrian all comes from watching him on SCG live. And, you know, basically that, that's the meat of it. Well, why don't you tell people about the difficulty and the hours you guys have to put in to do an SCG Live event? A lot of people come into it kind of, you know, halfway here, halfway there, and they don't understand the full extent of the hours you have to put in to do one weekend for an event. Yeah, um, basically we start at noon local time. That's the that's the setup, the air time, you know, the time we go live uh, on Saturday. And we just go all the way up until the quarterfinals are finished at the top eight. And so depending on the number of people there and the number of rounds, that can go, I mean, roughly midnight is, is I think, a good gauge of it. I mean, that, that's where I usually have, in, in my head, that's when I expect it to end. Sometimes it ends a little earlier, sometimes a little later. But um, And then we're supposed to be back to start airing again at 8 a.m. the next day. So as you can imagine, we have to... Once we finish, if we finish at midnight, we have very little time to get home, go back to sleep, wake back up, and be back at the venue at 7:45 uh, because we're about to go live at 8. So then on Sunday it's 8 a.m. all the way up until the legacy top eight is completely over, and that can also go to close to midnight, uh, depending on the number of rounds, uh, or you know it can definitely push in that direction, in that area. So it can be uh, very exhausting. And I specifically DC was, was huge. I think DC broke the record for both standard and legacy. And I think it still holds the record for the most number, uh, the most participants for the standard portion. I believe it may have uh, been broken for the legacy portion by like a, a handful of players. But I know by the end of Sunday, I was so exhausted and it was so hard to keep up a uh, an energy level by the, by the end of the event uh it, it it can be a struggle and i've now uh I, th- I think one of the things that i i did in memphis and i hope to do in boston is find a store that has red bull uh <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something that i need to do since i can't take it with me on the plane i i don't uh i don't check any luggage because i don't need to pack too much so i just bring a you know a, a carry-on luggage and of course that that they won't let me bring uh liquid unless Unless it's purchased in the airport, and so I guess also I don't really feel like, feel like carrying around eight cans of Red Bull. Uh, it kind of adds a lot of weight on the plane too. So that, that's the first thing I did in Memphis was, all right, where can I get Red Bull? What is how has it been like working with Rashad? Oh, Rashad's awesome. Uh, met him in uh, in Richmond at the Invitational last year in December, and as soon as I met him, he was like the warmest, most friendly guy. Uh, I was very impressed at, at how cool he was right off the bat, you know, just, just meeting him. And, um, you know, he's an awesome guy. He's he's funny and, and just fun to be around. How much has he helped talk to you about how it works? And Because because what people don't understand is, and I took a picture of it and put it up my Facebook page, is you're basically looking at two monitors, Mm-hmm. And you have microphones and two monitors you're basically staring at that's giving you the exact same view they see, the overhead view of what's right. going on. How much has he 
I don't want to say coached you up, but basically giving you advice on how to do this. Uh, Rashad's pretty, um, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't actually give us any kind of advice on that end of things. Um, most of the the feedback we're receiving, or most of the I guess coaching we're receiving, has been uh, a couple things before the event. Like these are our goals through uh, internal Star City message boards, and um, and then after the event, saying this is what you could do better. And so that's where most of the coaching takes place. But uh, with Rashad, usually he's kind of like just, uh, you know, he sets things up. He takes care of the technical things, and he lets us know if we need to do anything like move closer to the mic or move the mic closer or turn the mic on, turn the mic off, that kind of thing. You know, but nothing really, not much beyond that. Is there, now I know they won't do it because you guys are, you know, the SCG Live group is the SCG Live group, but a lot of people... Really enjoy having Rashad in the booth. Now he's actually, I don't want to say lately shying away from it, mm-hmm. but almost like I mean because the technical part of it is really intensive. And it is with yeah. the new equipment that he has. That it, you know, it literally is like a full time job <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Are you? Would you like to pull him in the booth once and just kind of have him in there with you, just to kind of maybe go through a match or kind of in between a round or something like that? Because he is. A unique personality, like you described. Yeah, I mean, he's he's awesome. He, um, we did actually have him in the booth in San Jose. I think Gavin had gone on a break or something, and ah. uh, we pulled Rashad in. But um, for the most part, I think the reason, like, I would, it's not, I wouldn't say I'm hesitant to do it, but it's almost like I don't want to take away from, you know, he, he's he's busy, and it's hard to tell because he's sitting in the same place looking at the same monitor for both days, it's hard to tell when he's doing something that requires his full attention and when he's kind of okay to uh, sit back and relax because for the most part, like you said, it's pretty intensive and I think he's really got to be on the ball, uh, you know, for, for a good good chunk of that time. And because I can't tell when that is, I, I hesitate to ask him, like, hey, come on into the booth. But, of course, I would love to, to have him if he, uh, if he expressed any sort of desire to, to do that. Now you've managed to do. You've also managed to go to to um, Pro Tour Paris. Yep. And you went there with your significant other. I did. My uh, girlfriend. Yep. I will say significant other. <laughs> I can get in trouble when I start saying things and you know things like that. He, Fair enough. Now you you went there to work, but you also went there to have fun. How much of a balance did you have to strike by doing this? Um. This is something that uh, I think basically what the genesis of this particular event was that we had gone on the Magic Cruise last year. As I mentioned, the Magic Cruise in 2010, and that was my first experience trying to balance kind of a magic event with with my girlfriend, you know, hanging out with my girlfriend, like a vacation. So because we were kind of on, on this cruise ship, she was like, you know, that's fine, go go play magic, and, and I'll just sit up here and, you know, sunbathe and read a a book or a magazine or something, and um, you know, it was it was a little bit tough because I know you know she doesn't want to be by herself the entire time, um, and of course I I'd, I'd like to spend time with her as well as play magic, so that that's kind of a balance. But it seemed successful on the magic cruise, and when we got back, I had such a, a great time the first time. We decided immediately to go on the 2011 magic cruise, and. Uh, that was kind of that ended up being quite a hairy situation, as many people know. But what 
in the end, what ended up happening was the we had an opportunity to back out of the cruise because the the port of call had moved from California to Texas, uh, kind of throwing a lot of people's plans off. So we decided let's back out of the cruise and go to Paris instead because it happened to be the exact same time. So we already had the vacation planned. It was it was the same week, so we had already had that set up with our uh, our employers. And she said she would rather go to Paris than on another cruise, and I I would rather go to a pro tour than uh, than the Magic Cruise. Even though I had I had a great time on the Magic Cruise, I, I just was also excited because I, I I've been to Paris before and I loved it, and I wanted to go back. And of course, it's a pro tour, so so I didn't want to miss that. So it was um a little more difficult, being that now we we weren't kind of constrained to a boat. We had this whole city where I was going to be basically leaving her to do whatever in Paris while I went to this event because she didn't really want to come to the to the event site she did once uh come with me and she just sat in like a little kind of eatery area um you know reading a magazine or something but you know that wasn't something that she really wanted to do um and so like the the day of the uh the big showdown between Brad Nelson and Guillaume uh, Matignon, uh, she, she sat out in like a park and was reading while I was there for, I guess, four or five hours or something. And, uh, it started to rain. And so she was, she ended up sitting in a bus stop kind of waiting for me, uh, so she could sit and read. So I kind of felt bad about that. So, you know, she didn't really want to, she didn't feel comfortable really going out into the city really totally on her own. She doesn't speak French and neither do I really, but I, I at least took it in high school. So I have a more of a grasp of it than she does. Um, so, you know, I, I just basically, I just tried to feel things out and, you know, as you kind of do generally in relationships, you, you try to, you know, you throw something out there, you see what kind of reaction she has. If it seems a little negative, you kind of back off a little bit or, you know, if it, if it's, if it's all good, if it's all clear, then you say, you know, this is what I'm going to do. So, you know, just trying to keep everything, uh, everybody in, in good spirits and having a good time. So I think she was, she was awesome for, for sitting around waiting for me basically in a bus stop for, for several hours. I think uh, that was that was pretty great of her. I was really appreciative of that. Well, speaking of being awesome, your schedule has changed now. You're not, you're not doing the show locally. You're traveling all over the place. How has she adapted to you being gone X amount of weekends now a year now? Uh, she she's very cool with that. I mean, she was sitting right next to me when I got that email from Evan about SCG Live, and she was very excited for me. So she's uh you know she thinks it's awesome. She's very, um, you know she she's very supportive of the entire endeavor. And of course, you know she she misses me. She wants me to be around, but she appreciates uh or she understands how much it means to me to do this. So she's been awesome with that. That's one of the difficulties of having a relationship and doing what you do because you are on the road a lot now. And, right. you know, you also do your podcasts and you work and you know, you're still trying to find time for each other. It's, it's a, a difficult balance. It really but, is, yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's talk a little bit about what's after this. You're going to be, you have a very successful podcast. You do very well in SCG Live. Where would you like to go with this? Is there is there is there a next level to this? I mean, considering how quickly you guys or yourself has gone from you know podcast SCG Live, what's next? Um, honestly, I guess if I can dream big, um, my 
goal would be if I could do this kind of full time, if I could do something like I've been doing the podcast, the coverage, um, really anything, you know, magic related in this kind of coverage kind of sense. Um, if I could do it full time, if I could support myself, you know, with income from it, that would be a fantastic situation. I mean, you see what Evan's done with the magic show. You know, he started off doing just this YouTube show and he's gone all the way to, you know, the top of Star City Games being the, you know, the, just kind of the uh, the core behind all the things that we see, uh, you know, recently with, with Star City being SCG Live being one of them. But, you know, a number of changes to the website and things like that. I think he's behind a lot of things that people don't even realize, including myself. I think he's uh, he's quietly behind a lot of things as well. So um, the fact that he is now working for Star City full time and able to support himself that way um and and i guess support his family of course um that's something that i would love to to be on a in a situation where i could do something you know along those lines if you've noticed lately uh from scg themselves um they've been you know bringing in people like lauren lee now they're bringing in uh uh, uh level i think i think Kali was level two or three a- anderson um i think she's level three judge mm-hmm. two I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay, she's now coming into the fold as an events coordinator. If something like that comes up, and and Evan comes to you, putting the cart in front of the horse here, and says, mm-hmm. "Of course," yeah. says Joey, "Here's the deal. Uh, you can do this, this, and this for me. I would like you to come to Roanoke and be a part of the family, but be actually where the family is. How would that kind of situation be for you?" Um, it would be awesome uh, on one level, very awesome. On another level, have to uh, it, would ha- it would be highly considered, of course. Um, it, would, it would be something where I'd have to figure things out with my girlfriend. You know, uh, her and I have actually been together for a number of years now, so it's, it's she's not just uh, yeah. you know just uh, just a passing girlfriend kind of thing. She she uh, She's a pretty big part of my life, uh, so I think we would have to come to some sort of arrangement together to figure out what to do at that point. But I think that would be that, that's normal for most people, uh, for you know anybody with a significant other. It's it's kind of like moving for a job. It can get, uh, I guess, complicated. But I, I think I think it, it would absolutely be possible. Is does she have a job that can like I work in IT, so mm-hmm. literally I could pick up my job and move anywhere and get a job. Does she have a job that is something that is relocatable? Such as she's not tied into a specific thing where it's only made like if you work in one place and it's only made at that place and you're kind of stuck. Does she have a job that's kind of movable? I think she's flexible. Okay. Uh, that's I'll, I'll leave it at that. I can't okay. really speak for her, but I think okay. she's she's flexible. Okay. Now, let's go the change of the schedule for Wizards. Uh-huh. This obviously, I, a lot of people are looking at this two ways. I, I kind of personally view it sort of pseudo negatively, and the reason why is is because I look at this from the whole perspective of Magic, not just myself and what I would get out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's opening up double the amount of events. My first thought was, is how does this affect what you guys are going to do? 
Okay. Um, they're not announcing their schedule. Right. Uh, it's that's a good question. I'm kind of curious about that myself. You know, I guess you mean as far as like SCG Live, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure, and I'm not privy to those those conversations, at least not at this point. Um, so I don't know what the the reaction was uh, in on the Star City side. Um, on the whole, it seems like a very positive thing, giving people more opportunities to play in large events. Um, I mean, I had a great time last year at Grand Prix DC, and uh, you know, being able to give uh, give that opportunity to more people and in in more places and you know, t- however many twice as many events, I think that's huge. And I think it's definitely a or it seems to me like it's good for the community. I think it's definitely a response, uh, or at least uh, a result of the popularity of the Star City Open Series. And I think basically what this ends up being is just more more big events for people. And if they're going to fall on the same weekend as each other, then so be it. And, uh, you know, if not, I'm sure uh, both parties would like to not take away from each other. Wizards, of course, wants as many people as they can get there, and Star City wants as many people as they can get. So it almost uh, it, it benefits both parties if they can somehow get the schedules to to play off of each other. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is possible or, or likely, but that seems to be the, the, the best scenario. I want to give you guys at SCG Lab a credit, and a lot of what you do helps. You guys do a great job of star building, such as you've taken someone like Edgar Flores, who was a traitor, <laughs> and you've turned him into someone that when I was at Grand Prix Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, everybody was talking to him. It wasn't just the Star City guys. It was, you know, you know you'd know, you have Paul Reitzel coming over and saying, how's it going, and congratulations. And you'd have all these other faces coming to him where as little as like four months ago, had he walked in there, nobody would have known who he was. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that with you, how you guys do, you do, and SCG Live does a great job of star building. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Basically, I think Star City gives people the opportunity to make a name for themselves, and that's basically what Edgar did. I, I can't really say that I or Star City really can take much credit for Edgar doing well at one of the events besides Star City giving him the opportunity to do it and SCG Live making it uh public, you know, being that they air the uh you know the 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 games and the tournaments. So because uh because this is such a public event and I don't mean public event as in it's open to anybody who wants to enter. I mean public event as in it's broadcast over you know around the world. Um anybody who does well in the events automatically makes a name for themselves. So Edgar Flores is a name that I don't think I ever heard it before uh Star City DC. But sound the, like you're moving around a lot. Yeah, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> one, okay. of, one of the things that I really enjoyed about that is that you guys take them into the booth. Mm-hmm. So you bring Alex Pertini in the booth. You bring Edgar Flores in the booth. And now people can associate with them. And that's right. that's what I'm talking about. That That's another reason why I mean about star building. Is that you bring these guys into the booth. You ask them the right questions. You know, you give them a forum to let people know who they are. And in turn, that that develops their star power. 
Yeah, I mean, it gives people uh, the opportunity to see them, see more of their personality besides just them, you know, their their forearms, their elbow to their tips of their fingers on over overhead view, and them playing cards, you know. Uh, so you can see their their faces. That was actually just as a side note. That was another one of uh, Evan's innovations for SCG Live, being the face cams where you can actually see people's uh, faces. But um, but aside from that, not you know, besides associating a face with you know with a name. Yeah, um, them being able to talk a little bit. Now you now you fill out that personality uh, a little bit. So it's it, it is pretty cool. Okay, I'm gonna bring up a question this week that I'm gonna bring up on Mansfield, but I figure I'd bring it up with you considering how close you are to this. Okay. In my opinion, regardless of what happens on the GP on the regular Pro mm-hmm. Tour, in my own personal opinion, the Player of the Year has got to be Jerry Thompson. Period. I mean, he may not show up at one Pro Tour event this year. He may go the whole year playing the Star Cities Tour. But it's the fact that every week he's top eight, he's winning, he's innovating, he's setting it, he's setting a pace that is going to be, that is very difficult to duplicate. And I want your opinion about thinking that if Jerry doesn't show up at one tournament this year, could he technically be the unofficial player of the year? Uh, I mean, if it's unofficial, I'm sure he could he could be a player of the year in a lot of people's eyes. And I assume when you say player of the year, are you talking in the you know the Wizards sense, like Brad Nelson was player of the year? Is that? Uh, that I'm just talking. Mean? I'm just talking about like we're going to do our award show at the end of the year this year, okay? Mm-hmm. And he may not be in the top 50 for points for player of the year. Right. But his name is going to be right at the top of that list because of what he's doing this year. Yeah, it's amazing, and it it's it shows you what's possible if you really you know you have the the uh, the time and the skill you know the the time to enhance that skill and to study a format and uh, kind of read the format the way the way he clearly is able to read it and uh, and determine what he thinks. You know, is necessary for the next tournament. Um, he's it's, it's amazing. Him, I mean, not just Jerry, but there there have been a number of players just consistently in in the top, uh, you know, the top eights and the top sixteens of these events, and not even just standard or just legacy. Sometimes both. Jerry's done a great job of being in the top eight of of several of the both standard and legacy events. Uh, Alex Bertoncini is another one. We've seen Edgar Flores now top eight. Uh, Several standards win one standard event, be in the uh, the top eight of a legacy event. Uh, it's just these people who are just uh, they put the time into it. They know the format and they study the format, and they this is what is possible. All right, I'm, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to go to two different strands here, but I'm going to start with the first one. Both these are okay. both advice questions. Okay, I am someone who is wanting to be on the Star City Games circuit. And I'm young, and I'm really, you know, I'm a go-getter. I'm willing to go fly from place to place to place to do this. How how do I get involved with this to get myself to be someone that people would know? Is there, I mean, because you're there, and you know what's going on, and you kind of, you know, you can get a sense and feel of what's happening in the situation. What is your advice to someone who wants to try to get into this 
to be good at it outside of obviously playing well and winning, but you know what I'm saying. Is there advice to help them out? Um, now, I, obviously, I, I'm not speaking from experience because I'm not the one in the top eight, but my my advice, though, would be play Magic uh, as much as possible with as many people as possible that are better than you uh, and consistently search out people who are better than you if you can and continue to play with those people and just as the more often you play with people that are better than you the more likely you are to to i guess evolve as a player and um i think you know it, of course that that implies that if you're playing against a lot of people who are better than you you're probably going to lose a lot more so you have to be willing to lose and understand why you lost. So if you're just getting started, uh, you just need to play. You need to play in as many events as you can. Um, I think that's that's another thing. You know, you look at Jerry and, and Alex and and Drew Levin and, and Edgar Flores and these players, AJ Soccer. Um, they're they're not just showing up and playing an event and you don't hear from them for six months because they didn't enter anything. They're they're playing in every event and uh, it's that sort of dedication that kind of leads to the success that they've had. Now, let's try it on the other end. You've, uh, you probably have noticed that there's been a large explosion of podcasts that have yep. joined, had joined the fray to try to compete with yourselves yep. and, other, uh, and other popular podcasts out there. What is your advice to someone who is starting a new podcast to make it successful? Um. Now this, I guess, is uh, I can I can really only speak to my own experience as opposed to the last question. Yes. Um, <laughs> in, in in this case, I do have experience, but there wasn't a grandmaster plan exactly. So, uh, what I think I would say is make a podcast that you would like. That's that's what we did. We we talk about the things we want to talk about. Um, if if you've noticed, anybody who's been listening for a little while can kind of tell that. We were mostly a standard-focused podcast because that's what we played, and now we've started touching on legacy. In, in playing legacy, uh, strangely enough, because if you go back about a year in March of 2010, we talked about the reserved list, and we were making comments about, oh, we'll never play legacy because it's too expensive, and here we are a year later, very much in into legacy. In fact. Uh, you know, Joe would say, and actually I have to agree, I think I would say we're both more excited about Legacy right now than, than Standard, but uh, we still love Standard. Um, but anyway, my point is that we talk about what we want to talk about. We didn't have any kind of plan like, let's make a Standard-focused podcast. We thought, let's make a podcast and talk about what we want to talk about. And uh, same thing, you know, when, when Legacy, when we started getting into Legacy, that's what we started to talk about. It happens to be coinciding, and, and probably it, it's a... It's a cyclical, uh, cyclical argument here where the legacy boom has kind of helped us to get interested in legacy. And so we're talking about legacy at the right time, just when legacy is getting more and more popular. So, um, so yes, talk about what you want to talk about. Make the podcast you want to listen to. Uh, the guys on the A-team, they did that. They have a very different kind of dynamic than, than Yo! MTG Taps, for example. Um, they even if they touch on a lot of the same kind of topics, they're a completely different kind of podcast. They they talk about 
different things in different ways. They have personalities on there that, that aren't present on other podcasts. And so sometimes it's just the personality that can make your podcast unique. Um, so that, that would be my first advice. Um, another one is to just try to, I guess, get your name out there by like networking, talking to the right people. And the more you network, the more these people get to know you, the more they're willing to mention you in their, uh, you know, articles or podcasts or even just, just Twitter, just having people tweet about it. I mean, a recent podcast is Horde of Notions, um, a new one. I think they just released episode two uh, today, and it's just it's got a friend of mine on there, uh, Noyan. He's a local guy to, to Baltimore, although he's from Turkey, and he writes uh, a column for our website, I Want My MTG. He writes Spreading Cheese, which is just his kind of rogue deck-building column. And, um, you know, he's got always got some neat ideas. Well, he he's now joined a podcast called Horde of Notions where they're just going to talk about kind of this rogue deck building thing. So that's their thing. And so they he and and the other guys on the podcast, they've networked with people like me. Well, he already knew me, but um, with also KYT of Mana Deprived. And so now they post their podcast. Uh, it. It goes up on Twitter. MTG Cast posts it. I retweeted it. I saw KYT retweeted it twice already. So this name, this podcast, is already getting out there, and uh, just just from networking. What is what what are you, what is your thoughts about the fact that now the Pro Tour is going private, and how that affects someone like yourself that? goes to Pro Tours or go, went to a Pro Tour and got to experience that? Um, I have I have mixed feelings about it. My initial impression was negative because I do like the idea of, you know, whether I'm qualified or not for a, <clears throat> for a Pro Tour, I can show up and just see what's happening, you know, talk to people and interview people and, uh, you know, just watch. And it's just – it was such a big event. Um you know, I've, I've actually only been to two pro tours. One was in New York in Worlds 2007, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and the other one was Paris. So it's it's funny that I have this negative reaction, and I'm kind of like, well, I mean, in the past three and a half years, I've only been to two pro tours. So is it really affecting me that much? Um, I I did I do foresee I, I plan to go this year to Philadelphia Pro Tour Philly and Worlds uh, in San Francisco. Um, as far as I understand it, these the, the private Pro Tour thing doesn't start until 2012. At least I hope that's the case because I really was looking forward to going to to Philly and San Francisco. Um, but uh, I guess on the same, you know, at the same time, I understand that you know why they would I guess make it private um, at, because I think it does. I think it will help things. In another way, I think it, it gives them more of a budget to to do things like provide coverage similar to what SCG Live provides for the Open Series, um, if they can provide that kind of coverage for the Pro Tours. I, that's one of the things that a lot of people have been saying recently, and I guess it's, it's Paris that was uh, really getting a lot of discussion about it, is if Star City can provide video coverage of starting at round three of the tournament and going all the way through, you know, two days of, of magic. Uh, why can't Wizards do that? And I think this is Wizards' way of, uh, of shifting things around a bit so that they can do that. So I think that that's what we're going to see. And so how many um, – basically, 
you're trading your opportunity to go and kind of hang out at a pro tour for the option to basically watch every pro tour live from home, you know, th- including the ones that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to go to anyway. So, you know, maybe th- there's there's some sort of trade-off for the the onlooker kind of, you know, the audience uh, in that in that case. Is there is there anything else that we should promote for you outside of the fact that you know you do your own TT apps and you're on SCG Live? Are there any other projects brewing for you? Uh, not at the moment. I'm pretty much just trying to uh, keep keep putting out good uh, good podcasts and trying to do my best for uh, for Star City Live. I know that that. Uh, that's that's taking a lot of my attention right now is just trying to make sure I do a good job on SCG Live and I I guess if there's anything I could promote for both the podcast and SCG Live is that uh is feedback constructive feedback like being able to know what I could do better is huge and I think you know people maybe maybe don't realize that I think a lot of a lot of the feedback that that is provided in you know not just for SCG Live or the podcast, I mean everywhere, is negative feedback, like, this sucks. You know, like, nothing constructive out of that. Like, thanks. And then the people that, you know, the people that like it, you know, and I'm I'm a culprit as well because I know I've, I've had this thought before when, even before I was making a podcast myself, uh, was if I like a podcast, I didn't really say anything. Like, I didn't have anything to say. It was just like, oh, yeah, that was really good, you know, out loud to myself in my car or something. <laughs> you know, I didn't really provide any feedback to the podcast. It was usually negative feedback where I'd be like, you know, you need to know what you're talking about. You don't, you know, you're wrong about this entire thing or something like that. It was usually the negative responses that I would that I would give. And uh, as long as it's constructive, that's the kind of thing that, that we want. Um, so if, if you can provide us feedback, uh, constructive feedback, whether it's negative or positive, it's a huge help because it really, we read it all, you know, we take it to heart and we do try to adjust according to the things that people are, uh, you know, that the people are saying. Well, and that's really important. Anything from whatever you do in life, if you can get constructive feedback, it's very, very critical. Yeah. I, again, this was very short notice. And and I I know you work nights and have a girlfriend and try to manage doing a podcast and SCG Live. You have a busy weekend. I gotta ask, what is it gonna be like this weekend with having you spoke of the A team about having uh, the the silent ninja as we like to officially call him <laughs> live and in color with you down there? I am super excited about meeting uh, KYT. Um, I think I think it's gonna be great. Um, just, I'm looking forward to just, you know, talking with him in person. I've known him now for a while. He, uh, you know, even even before Mana Deprived got started, he was on Twitter and he was one of the people that I I talked to on Twitter. So, uh, it's we go way back on the internet kind of uh, relationship, but we've never actually met in person. So that's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, even though he might say no, and pull him in. Even if it's for a minute, just wake him <laughs> oh, yeah. up, sit him down, you know, because hello, everybody, KYT here. You know, he'll he'll kind of fight you off and go, no, 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 no. Uh, one of the most, mo- I don't want to say modest, but humble people you'll meet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think 
even he realizes how big he is. He jokes about it, calling himself Captain Canada. And, <laughs> and I just think he, I, I think he doesn't even realize that, you know, how important it is. And like you said, you described this before, how this works. You use Twitter. You use the podcast to get to the right way. You have a website to help promote stuff. It really all does work. In many ways, you guys kind of parallel success, except for, you know, obviously, you know, you do the SCG Live thing. It's almost like that mirrored path, you know, mm-hmm. except for he's Canada's version of it. Yeah. So, well, that would be what? Uh, Canada Games Live? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know any Canadian. Yeah, I don't know any Canadian uh, websites, but besides Mana Deprived, I guess that's going to be Mana Deprived Live. Oh, yeah. So if there's anything else we can talk about quick before we end this, because I, I I know we're right about an hour or a little over an hour, and I kind of want to. I always the whole point of these podcasts are this is an introduction. This is this is my first chapter with you, and then mm-hmm. as the year goes along. You know, as we come back around full circle, we have another chapter to fill in. So is there anything else you want to fill in with people um, before we sign off? And I thank you again for your time. Uh, not that I can think of. Um, I just uh, appreciate everybody who, who listens and who gives us feedback. And we have a lot of really awesome, loyal listeners. Um, and it's just it's amazing. It's, it's kind of it's overwhelming whenever I stop to think about it. Uh, you know, just kind of where I am right now. Uh, not to say that, you know, we're like super big or anything, but I guess um, it's where we are. It's just absolutely shocking. Um, and and it's all because of the people that, that listen to us every week and, you know, and talk to us on Twitter and retweet our podcast, uh, you know, when we say there's a new episode up and all that kind of thing. Uh, word of mouth is huge. And, you know, I appreciate everybody out there who's put a sticker on their deck box or their binder or, you know, uses our worm coil engine tokens and things like that. And uh, just to mention, we from uh, mtglifepads.com, we actually just got some, some of those, um, which we have a limited amount, but I think what we're going to do is um, – is give them out in person, but uh, it's actually let me let me get the actual web address because I think I I said it wrong. Um, yeah, uh, mtgpad.com. That's that's the web address. Uh, yeah, so we just got some some life pads. Yo MTG Taps life pads. So we'll be giving those out to people in person. I'll probably have some with me this weekend in Boston. So um, just anybody who who's helped promote us, just talked about us to their friends, like it's huge. So it really means a lot. And and thanks, you know, thank you for having having me on your show. Like it's kind of crazy to me that um, I'm on the other side of the interview at this point. Well, one of the things like one of the things I talked about when I started this whole thing and is I want all facets of magic brought together and personalities of magic are something that's important to the community and considering you're a literally a voice and a face of the magic community as much as you may not want to agree with it people know you from your audio from your podcast people now see you when you do the scg live you're a part of the community now Pros know who you are. It's not you're not you're not just a somebody. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody now, and I want to promote this to the best of its ability because the more 
the community grows, the more we all grow. And that's, that's what it is for me. So again, I thank you for your time. I know you're, you know, probably ready to go take a nap or go to bed or something <laughs> yep. like that. <laughs> yep. Gonna uh, probably, uh, rewatch Game of Thrones from last night and, uh, and go to sleep. Yeah. Cause, because most people don't know is you work third shift. Yeah. And that is something that most people don't know. So right now as we're recording this, it is two o'clock in the afternoon. Normal people who work third shift are sleeping. <laughs> soon. So uh, on that note, for Joey, for myself, uh, and for Chris, uh, this is another episode of The Meta Magic. And thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.